94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. This is where we bring in uh, experts to talk about the things you care about during the COVID-19 crisis and get your questions answered. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning. Aloha, everyone. What is uh, top of mind for you right now in terms of the COVID-19 response here in Hawaii? Top of mind is opening up safely. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see a, a blitz of medium risk businesses open up now in the coming days. Tourism is still a little bit more on the back burner, but all of what we can do safely from a medium risk standpoint should start getting opened. And that means uh, reducing our restrictions on things like churches. I'm hopeful that we hear announcements about churches getting open. There's CDC guidelines and social distancing precautions there, but kind of a little disingenuous to allow us to open up restaurants and not churches, you know? Mm. So I think we're going to get there and, Everyone's small business uh, should be uh, openable if they're not in an extremely high-risk uh, discipline. That's almost everybody. So these are the things we're seeing now. It's, uh, it shouldn't be rocket science, you know, but I know everyone's cautious. And my focus, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, my focus continues to be what do we do about the big ticket item, which is, travel into the state of Hawaii and how do we make that safe? I know for a while you've been telling us about the hope of getting testing uh, required of travelers or some kind of something happening so that people can get on planes and come to Hawaii, but in a safe way. Yes. In fact, it was interesting because uh, the um, couple of the guys picked up on what I've been saying. And I think uh, kudos to, uh, to Gene Ward and Bob McDermott. They reached yes. out because, uh, you know, they have different kind of relationship with the White House. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, <laughs> they're able to talk to those guys a little bit more openly. And they got some they got some clear, clarity about uh, what the FAA would or wouldn't allow. Mm-hmm. And uh, the breaking news was the FAA will allow the state of Hawaii to, to ask people to test before they come here. And we have a lot of capacity, of course, to message this out through businesses and through all of what we do to bring tourists here. But the concept of traveling uh, with respect or traveling with Aloha to Hawaii is going to be a vibrant piece of our piece of our screening process. Meanwhile, the airports are really gearing up to have a, a, a crazy robust way to check people's temperatures, get uh, snapshots of them to make sure that they're not sick, to uh, go over very detailed data for contact purposes so we can contact uh people contact trace them and test if need be so it's going to be kind of like what you felt when tsa first got launched after 9 11 where there's just a lot of extra when internet when travelers are coming from the mainland there's gonna be a lot more of that uh, we won't worry quite as much about inner island travel because once you're here and you've gone through the screening or if you're local you don't pose extra risk but we are going to have to be really rigorous and i think it's completely doable I'm going to meet with the, the, the CEO of CVS tomorrow and uh, pitch the idea that they make a test available to anyone who shows that they're going to be traveling to Hawaii very simply. And these are the kind of partnerships that can make it easier on us when we bring people here. So, so expect to be uh, taking two to three hours to get, <laughs> to, like Possibly. if you're going to go to the airport instead of going an hour early, now you got to go like three hours early because you got to do testing and all this stuff, right? Well, if you're if you're inner island, it shouldn't be a change, really. It should be pretty minimal because we won't be um, we won't have that same concern. Mm-hmm. Once people are here and and there's no outbreak, inner island travel is going to gradually return to normal, right. uh, and I hope actually soon. I, I don't think there's any reason any longer to have inner island quarantine. 
And mm-hmm. I say that because we haven't had cases to spread. So yeah. uh, it, it's it's very very good. They've even announced an end to the hotspots that were on uh, on Maui and and Big Island. So we don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. We should be focusing on the big things that we have to worry about. And the big thing we have to worry about is what what do we do if uh, three million people come to the state of Hawaii in the next uh, six months right. or or a year? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. Yeah. Because they still have pockets of, of high disease rate on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said you don't see a reason for the inner island quarantine to continue. Will we actually see, um, like, is there a date in mind for you for when that quarantine, at least for inner island, will come down? I'm strongly urging the governor and the administration to bring that down in the next week. I don't see any value in it whatsoever. The, uh, the quarantine, inner island quarantine, is now actually causing a great disruption for many people, especially from uh, health and critical life moments. I've now had uh, three families, all with terrible, terrible crises uh, that necessitated them traveling to to and from the neighbor islands, back and forth to Oahu, for end-of-life uh, concerns. And when you have to do that, it's not just the patient. The patient, of course, can come over, but family members need to be by their loved ones as they pass or as they're going through the toughest times. And we, it's a very burdensome process with many, many more people now having needs and there's no extra risk. So we should be focusing on the things that really are valuable and relevant to decreasing risk. And that's how we approach people traveling into the state of Hawaii, not within Hawaii. Got it. I think it could end as soon as um, maybe if we're being a little bit sane, the first of June, that okay. would, that would be okay. But there is no, there's no practical reason from a healthcare perspective. There's no practical reason to have this, uh, this quarantine still in the in the inner island travel. This doesn't make sense. Got anymore. it. So would it work that people would, uh, if they're traveling into Hawaii, that they would present certification that they have been tested uh, uh, for COVID nineteen and shown to be negative, and or and or they go into quarantine? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, or they go into quarantine. If you if you demonstrate that you have uh, anti- that you have um, the antigen, that you, you had the positive test, and you are negative, you demonstrate that you're negative, and be very clear in the last three days. And you'll do all the other checks. We'll check your temperature, and we'll make sure we have your very clear data on where you're going to be staying, and 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 your you know your connection, so that we can get you a text or an email fast. You demonstrate those things, you would not need quarantine. And you shouldn't need quarantine because we've sufficiently minimized the risk. And that's the goal. So it's a part of a broad screening program. And that is the plan, to have a space on the uh, application. I'm calling it an app now because it's gonna be, we're going to be digitizing these things now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And we should. This is 2020, for gosh sakes. So the, that would be a very heavily weighted piece of coming into Hawaii and not needing quarantine. The Department of Health is going to tease out some more of these details with Department of Transportation. But the key is that, and I say this in the strongest term, would be the best thing that we can do that would decrease the risk the most. All the temperatures and thermal screening in the world is not as good as knowing someone went and had a test and it was negative. It's not going to be perfect because it's not going to be 60 seconds before you get on the plane, probably although some airports are going to move that direction, but it will be a great reducer Mm -hmm. in risk. And that's 
you know, I'm not going to ever let up on on the health care safety side of things. But this is also an economics question. We will be much more able to resume regular tourism and a healthy economy, knowing that we don't have a lot of people walking around threatening a surge in COVID and then a re-shutdown. And the re-shutdown would be the calamitous effect, in addition, of course, to if we had a big surge to our hospitals and had any fatalities. So it's a, it's a definite, it's a dynamic two-piece uh, equation that one depends completely on the other, in my opinion. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, I was curious. I'm seeing more posts from people about masks, yeah. and most specifically about not wearing masks. Like refusing. Yeah, like refusing. Like people are getting shot, and there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. Uh, what kind of sense are you getting? I mean, how do we explain this to people? So they'll understand it's not a you know personal it's rights a, thing. Yeah, it's, it's not. The people need to wear masks. They they need to be ma- wearing masks if they're in any proximity to others, especially as we open up society. Because now the malls are open. Now there's retail. Soon restaurants will be open everywhere in in just you know a few days uh, to two weeks. So it's important that people still wear masks. It could come to a point. If we see a severe, you know, if we see any increase in disease, there will be the the threat hanging over us that we could have to go backwards and either have laws passed that we have to wear a mask during certain crises or that we lose some of our additional newly newly regained freedoms to be back to normal. And we don't want that. So I really want people, if, if they don't mind, please take to heart uh, this request and Wear a mask and have your family and friends wear a mask when you're out and about. Not when you're jogging or exercising. I'm not. I'm just not worried about that. But if you're going to be doing anything in the social set, setting or out there where there are a lot of other people, you want to have a mask on when you're closer than, um, well, period. But when you're closer than six feet, you have to. Or you could be that unlucky uh, instigator of a new infection. The concern that we've heard uh, mentioned from time to time with a possible second wave of coronavirus, you feel that is a legitimate concern? Oh, it definitely is, because we're going to be ultimately having travelers from Asia and from New York and from Europe. I mean, we we get it all. So we're going to need to have uh, protection through this fall. If the if the virus dies out like coronaviruses have done historically across the globe, that's great. If if. If it becomes a much less of a concern in the fall, hey, more power to all of us. That is fantastic news. But we can't roll the dice, and we shouldn't. Having a mask on is really not that big a deal. I don't love it, but it's just something you have to be used to if you're bumping into a bunch of people because you're walking to work or, you know, you're in an office setting and there are times when you're closer than six feet. You really need to have that mask on. So um, do the good thing. This is a temporary crisis, fortunately. This is a... Uh, pandemic that is going to cover our history for this year and then it's going to be gone and that's the way these things work uh lieutenant governor i wanted to ask you about the um sort of the dovetailing now with this crisis with covid19 and now we're starting it with hurricane season how does the covid19 uh crisis play into you know how they handle shelters how they handle um how we would treat people if we get into a disaster situation well that's that's a great Question. So let me um, let me frame it first of all by saying the prediction is for us to have uh, two to six hurricanes this mm-hmm. year. Between two and six is their prediction, uh, and they're erring a little bit more towards 
the low side. That's the, the weather prediction, the forecasters. The concerns are uh, these. One, if we do end up having to go into shelters, they're going to need, at least in the short term, to have social distancing available. So the shelters will be a little thinner, spaced out, and we will have families, of course, being able to cluster together like we always have. No, no change there, but we'll have to have uh, temperature checks as people go in. And if someone has a fever, we're planning on having an isolation space, a separate space for individuals that have had a, a fever and need to go somewhere. So that is, uh, that's the plan right now. My concerns are a little different than those. I mean, those are absolutely realities, realities. But the additional concerns I have is that, as you were just describing, that people are having some problems with compliance now because they're just fatigued on having to wear masks, having to sure. stay home. Mm-hmm. That when you have that, and it's a very normal thing for people, but when people become non-compliant, that is a, uh, a state of mind. And, and in their lives, they are reluctant to to once again be told what to do after having a, a lot of hardship placed on them. So I worry that if we have a big hurricane coming, people are going to have kind of an, a, a uh, don't cry wolf syndrome. And they're going to say, wait, it's not that big a deal. You know, not too many people died of COVID and I was forced to stay inside. I'm not going to listen. And we get slammed by a big hurricane because hurricanes have no, you know, hurricanes are not in any way cognizant of what we're going through with mm-hmm. COVID. So I'm worried about that, and I hope that people will just, you know, they'll be smart. And if it comes to a hurricane warning where we really have to go inside, they're going to go inside and and go to shelters if that's what's required. So the season starts in a few weeks, and just be ready, guys. You know, I will definitely be cheerleading right there and helping organize the, you know, the response if need be. Um, I'm hoping, keeping fingers crossed, that we don't get this double whammy of COVID and then a bad hurricane. Yeah. That would be terrible. Um, once again, we are here on Kumukukua with our Lieutenant Governor, Mr. Josh Green, with Dr. Josh Green. Um, so from your perspective as the uh, as an ER doc, somebody who's sat there and been on the front lines, uh, you know, you've been doing part-time duty. Uh, what have you seen lately? I, well, I'm going on to a shift, actually, a three-day shift for Memorial Day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I'll... Um, I'll be out there for 72 hours on Big Island. Uh, my last shift, I saw quite a lot of people coming in for screening uh, because they had had, you know, upper respiratory infections and needed to be screened for the combo of, of flu and pharyngitis and potentially COVID. So I'm still seeing a lot of people with concerns, uh, but the numbers have been low on Big Island, which is very good, and even lower in the countryside. So we, Knockwood, didn't have to uh, treat anybody in critical condition with ventilators and, you know, intensive care support. But things things can change very quickly. You just, as you saw, just one little quick spurt, uh, like in Kona, and all of a sudden you've got a, more than a small handful of cases. So mm-hmm. I've seen us preparing. We've seen a lot more preparation put in place than care that had to be delivered. And that's good. I, look, I, I'll take that every day of the week. Over-prepare and, and not need... Um, the major response. That's the dream of every emergency responder. Uh, but I've also seen other things. I've seen, for instance, this is EMS week. And if I may give a shout out to the EMS guys, thank you for all of your incredible work. Um, EMS workers, paramedics, lifeguards, you're just incredible. Uh, but think about this. Every single time they go out on a call for whatever it is, they have to gear up and be in the personal protective gear, the PPE, and if someone's had a heart attack and they're resuscitating them, 
they have to presume that that person may very well have also been exposed to COVID. So it's completely changed the way we deliver service. Every time I go in to see a patient, I'm putting on, you know, the, the goggles and the mask and the, you know, of course, gloves and so on. Mm-hmm. It just um, it just is a different feel, and that's okay. But that's why we give a, a little extra love and, and, and appreciation to our nurses and the, the docs out there. It's, it's a little different, and it's why that we're going to have to continue to deliver health care. You know, one big thing is that people stop going to the doctor or to the ER for little stuff, and the um, private practices are down like 50 and 60%. That will have consequences. People are now going to have to get their medicines refilled and hurricane season's coming. They're going to have to go get rechecked mm-hmm. for their regular health problems. And we have the hurricane season. They're going to have to um, catch up on all of their care or maybe even treatment if they had something serious like uh, needing chemotherapy for cancer. So it's going to be, it's been, a, it has been a marathon. I know that's a cliche that people like to use, but also there's going to be a little burst of speed here to catch up mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm sure we'll do it, but that's what we feel in the hospital. Yeah. I know last time we, we spoke, you were talking about uh, opening up that free clinic. Is that gonna? Is that still happening? Oh, yeah. That's happening. I, we toured the facility the uh, day before yesterday. It's beautiful. Uh, we're, we're putting chairs and tables in it now. We hired a, uh, a wonderful young woman named Emily to, to uh, oversee it. Uh, and we have already gotten offers of 140 volunteers. So if people are listening today and they're healthcare uh, workers, uh, nurses or physicians or aides or social workers, uh, it would be wonderful if they wrote an email to alohafreeclinic at gmail.com. And Emily or Jim uh, Ireland, who's another doc and friend, or I will respond. And we welcome you. It's going to be June 1st through August uh, 31st. The the address is actually... In, it's in Kalihi. It's at the Kalihi Medical Building, two two zero five five North King Street, first floor, and we'll have a partnership with Clinical Labs, and we already have a partnership with Five Minute Pharmacy. We're going to have free medications for basic ailments, people's blood pressure, and so on, and we're I mean, in partnership and support also with the Community Health Center. So if anyone does have Medicaid coverage or other insurance, we're going to coordinate to get them an appointment right then over at the health center because we want to support the community health centers also and practices right there but they'll be totally free people don't need to bring one penny and uh we're probably going to give people a number and do a quick visit wow i yeah Hmm. i i imagine that that's going to be really like really really popular because with people not having money right now that is a huge solution for a lot of people. So, wow, that's going to be really exciting. <laughs> I know once in a while we talk about um, what the city is doing also, and they announced this week this initiative to do um, more testing. Now, I remember that their first initiative uh, ran right headlong into the state. I know you had some words about uh, it not being quite up to the standards that you thought it should be, but now they're coming with a slightly different initiative because that one got batted down. So now they're coming and saying that they're going to be working with local labs, uh, with the, uh, I think uh, diagnostic and clinical labs, um, to do nearly a hundred thousand tests. I think of antibody as well as the regular swab tests and working with the community centers. Does this new initiative now meet your? Um, did they do it the way that you think it should have been done? Uh, well, no, but I'll <laughs> tell you why. I, yes. I, I, it, I do have to um, make a clarification. They're, they're not actually planning on 
their focus is not planning to use the clinical labs and the uh, and and VLS. They they are going to be funding a state lab, the creation of a state lab with the university, uh, which is going to cost millions of dollars, probably about four million dollars to set up and and do through there. Now, I love the idea of having overall university lab capacity. Uh, but there, it's it's actually quite controversial because the mayor did not coordinate this with the Department of Health at all. Period. Uh, I asked the director of health, and he said no. They did not coordinate Ooh. this with us, and that's a challenge because let me tell you some of the problems. And I hope that they debugged it. If they run antibody tests, and that's usually meant for uh, background check of of where things are epidemiologically in the state. If they run antibody tests and they come back positive. The Department of Health has already said that's going to necessitate then people getting the antigen test. So you're going to have to test people twice if that happens. And it's going to create a ton of extra work, which is fine for Department of Health. And then they're going to be chasing all of the work that the city did, not in coordination with them. And that is a really um, poor approach to the, the situation. Now, the good part about their program is that they're going to work with community health centers who are terrific and give them some resources, mm-hmm. which is good because what happened was the state, we received money from the federal government, and then uh, Governor Ige gave this money to the, the counties to do to do what's necessary. And if they want to use some of that money to support community health centers, that's fantastic. You know, I worked at a community health center. That's what brought me to the state of Hawaii. And as you can see, I'm still collaborating with them. So that's a good thing. And those tests will then be coordinated, the results, with, with DOH. But instead of reinventing the system, it would have been much more, in the short term anyway, and this is a short-term crisis. This is a crisis of 2020. It would have been simply better to just cover the costs of a lot of extra tests and do it where we already built up capacity. This was, um, this was just the mayor getting into the lane of the Department of Health uh, for whatever reasons he has. And <laughs> they're, they're not happy about it, I can mm. tell you frankly. I don't care what anybody says. It's, it adds another layer of complexity it will be a two-headed monster, and I hope it works. I, you know, I certainly, I certainly am pleased that the health centers will have more capacity. That's the positive thing I can say. Mm. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, I know we've only got yeah. you for about five more minutes here, so uh, we want to wrap up with something that... <laughs> it's the, it's <laughs> the five, was top of mind. We're like a citizen. pound gorilla yeah. in the room. Okay, we're yeah. going to have the LG yeah. weigh in on this one for sure. Yeah. I, hydroxychloroquine, sure. what the heck is going on? We got people trying to well, take it now. I mean, I the, yeah, since the president said that yeah, he is taking it please, now. Please help enlighten us and enlighten people. Yeah. Well, okay, so it's a bad idea, people, to take it as a prevention. And I know you probably some people saw it on Fox News or whatever, and they saw the president doing that. But uh, let me just speak from the perspective of, of medicine. Mm-hmm. As a physician, it's dangerous to take this medicine, hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil, if you don't need it. For one, there are people who actually need it for their immunologic disorders. So having a shortage of that is very, uh, very wrong to do to people in need for the drug, um, for their regular ailments. Two, it's not proven or been, there's no evidence at all that it helps prevent or cure people uh, from getting COVID-19. And then here's the real rub. It causes ventricular arrhythmias. And that is like... uh, People may have heard of V-fib or V-tac. That's when your ventricle, the lower part of your heart, goes berserk and starts beating like crazy and you Yikes. die. And that can happen as a side effect of, of taking 
significant doses of hydroxychloroquine, especially in combination with other drugs, even some common drugs like, uh, for example, Z-Pax, azithromycin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final, to add insult to injury, the final side effect that I think none of us want the president to suffer is mental instability. And <laughs> to have, to have oh, neuro, no. uh, oh, neurologic no. instability and confusion is one of the side effects from taking hydroxychloroquine. Oh. So that's not what we want in our commander in chief who's carrying around the nuclear football and making orders about opening up states to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just a colossally bad idea, unless, if I may, maybe the president has some ailment that necessitates it. That's a different story altogether. And that's why we have presidents uh, share their health profiles because it kind of becomes a bit of the public domain. Is our mm-hmm. president healthy and what do we have to worry about? But this is a super outlier situation. He's doing, he's doing what a lot of us do, and it's okay, and that's come up with our own cockamamie ideas about home remedies and take them. But we don't influence a couple hundred million people globally. Right. And so it's a mistake, and he's taking a big risk. But let me just say this. If you're out there and you have heart disease, uh, the very last thing you want to do is be taking hydroxychloroquine. And if you've had issues with your um, neurologic system, the very, very last thing you want to be doing is taking hydroxychloroquine. So if you have a desire to follow the president by one of those stupid red hats, that's okay. <laughs> They're fun. But don't, don't take hydroxychloroquine. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, the other thing, too, that people need to realize is this isn't an over-the-counter drug. It's not like you can walk it. Uh, I've been hearing stories of people walking in the, store, in the drug stores and saying, hey, I want to buy some hydroxychloroquine, because it doesn't work that way. You actually have to get a prescription, correct? Correct. It's a very serious drug, and it's not cheap, and it's not, uh, and it's not, it's not meant to be used uh, in a routine fashion at all. It's meant for people that have immunologic challenges that necessitate suppressing their immune system because, because they, their immune system is running crazy. And right, things like lupus like, and mm-hmm. yeah, RA, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. My grandmother had had to use these kind of drugs and um, she had lupus and they're serious drugs. They they also can cause collapses in your um, blood cell counts. Another real serious challenge. So, you know, there it's interesting when um, it's it's interesting when popular uh, culture insinuates itself into medical systems. So let's just keep it real. Focus on math, like we talked about earlier, and mm-hmm. not hydroxychloroquine. Focus on returning our our economy to, to good health as we get our businesses back. Shop local, travel local, buy local, do, you know, staycations. And we have enough resources now to, to take care of people who are in a tough time. It's going to be a tough year. But do those things, please. And, you know, just be ready to have that extra loving time with your family and now friends as we loosen up the restrictions. Mm-hmm. Go back to church if that's your thing. You know, I'm a half Jewish guy married to a Mormon, so I got all kind of church to catch up on. You know, <laughs> well, I can't wait for us to uh, get together at our our favorite watering hole and uh, listen to some live music. 
uh, and have some yes. food together. That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. there's eating and drinking too, which mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of. Yeah, yes. great. Okay, so we look forward to uh, hearing more about uh, dates and, and, and different types of businesses and activities opening up. So we'll stay tuned for that. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, thank you so much for joining us yet again for your weekly updates. We always look forward to them uh, with Kumu Kokua. Thank you so much for making the time. My pleasure. Have a great week, and I'll see you guys next Friday, it sounds like. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.